just a word of thanks to the ad hoc choral group that came up at my request and sang the song that's really the essence of the sermon today, Give Us Jesus. And uh, to all the parts of the service, all the choice of hymns that, uh, that Amanda helped us put together from the first hymn, Hark the Herald, they all are reflected in our scriptures today. So I'm just so grateful for each one that had a part and uh, led our service today. Well, this is the last day of the year and has us thinking about what kind of a year it's been. For birders like some of my family, 2017 hasn't been a big year, but a good year nonetheless. As someone spotted a royal hawk and another got a great picture of a great gray owl. You can talk about the Latin names. I won't try to pronounce them. I just like to show off their pictures. You know, a big year, there's a big thing about birders in a big year is when you win the prize of the most spottings in a given time of year, a given section of time, and in a given geographical area. But you can look that up. Beyond God's wonderful birds, what kind of year has this been? Well, you know what kind of a year with powerful hurricanes, record-setting wildfires, earthquakes, a solar eclipse to remember... But mass shootings, racial tensions, political upheavals in multiple nations, missile tests in North Korea, continued conflicts and suffering in many lands, moral failure in high places. It's not been such a great year, has it? And then there's closer to home. We all have personal stories, whether they be of pain or suffering and grief, or sometimes joy and celebrations. So whether this is a big year or a bad year or a good year, we have one big question. Does God have anything to say? As Pastor Wes led us through the fall series on the 12 minor prophets, it seemed clear to me that God had plenty to say about nations and about leaders and about individuals ordinary people. And it was also clear in those prophets that he had more yet to say. Something was coming. Someone was coming. So our text this morning from the book of Hebrews, the first chapter, says that God spoke in the past, but has a final word to say to us today. And we say, speak, Lord. We want and we need a word from you in the last day of 2017 and as we move into the new year. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah, is the last word. With his birth, Christ burst onto the scene. And our aim today is that more than anything in this world, we want to hear from Jesus. So let's read the text once more, just the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 1. Actually, one of my most favorite passages, I should say it by heart, but I'll look at my text just so I don't make mistakes. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. 
The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. You've heard some of that reflected in several of the music songs that we, hymns that we've sung. Well, the book of Hebrews is a magnificent letter, actually more like a sermon, written to first century believers who were established in the faith, were linguistically and culturally Hellenistic or Greek in their culture, but also who knew well the Old Testament scriptures. Yet they seem to be lagging a bit in spiritual maturity and tempted to abandon the faith, partly because of the hostile surrounding of their world. Seems to me that today we are well immersed in and up on our culture and also pretty familiar with the scriptures, although seems like this generation is getting less and less familiar, ask the first-year Bible students at Houghton College, except for a few that I know. Uh, we too need the reminders in the book of Hebrews to cling faithfully and to grow in our roots in Christ. Now, um, I'd like to give you a mini, complete compilation of the book of Hebrews. <laughs> oh, great. Try that. But it comes from uh, my good friend, missionary mentor, Dr. Gary Cockrell, who was with us in Sierra Leone, went on, is a great scholar and seminary professor, retired now, and wrote a very most recent commentary on Hebrews. Three things. Jesus, book of Hebrews, Jesus. The incarnate word and now exalted son fulfills all that God has been saying. He is the complete continuity with, with continuity with and fulfillment of God's previous revelation in the Old Testament, including our 12 minor prophets. Second, the Old Testament with its law and its priests and its sacrifices, as the book of Hebrews details, has always been and continues to be a foreshadowing, a type of the full sufficiency of Christ outlined in the book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ, our Savior. And then what about us? Lastly, the book of Hebrews says, those who live by faith in the Word, the Word of God, Jesus, constitute the people of God throughout history. To be faithful today is to join the faithful of all time. Is that what you want to be? So how does God speak? The writer of Hebrews lays it out carefully and beautifully in these first few verses, these opening verses. And you can see it in a little chart that the commentaries would put together. The era of his word is at various times in the past, our Old Testament and the way God spoke. And in these last days, we're in the last days since the book of Hebrews. God spoke. God has spoken. He spoke in various ways. Think of all the different prophets and their various revelations, their various messages, and even God speaking through nature. In these last days, he's spoken in one way. The recipients were our forefathers, all those before us. The recipients now, it's us. In the past, it was through his prophets. And how's the book of Hebrews? 
In the present, it's in his son, Jesus. So then, who is this son, Jesus? Next, the preacher, the writer, in verses 2 through 3. We've got a big text for our sermon today. Three verses. Relax. This is like a complete systematic theology squeezed into a verse and a half. I mean, it's seminary, right, Prof? Right here in these few verses. And you can see the list of things there. He says, Jesus is heir of all things. He's been appointed as the son, the heir. And you can look at verses in Romans and in Philippians, and you can think of how after Jesus accomplishes his work, he's the heir of all things. Because of his work of redemption, everything is his. I want you to be thinking today about this Jesus you believe in. How great he is. He's the agent of creation. It was through him that the universe was made. Think of it. From the furthest radio telescope or scope or whatever they're using to get out to the edges and beyond. (laughs) To the smallest microscopic interior of the atom and beyond. I guess there's more to the atom than the atom now. Ask the physics people. That was all made by him. He's the radiance and exact representation of God. The Son of God is the radiant. He's the Son is the radiance of God's glory. And I like a little note in my study Bible back home. It says this the brilliance of the Son is inseparable from the Son itself. That's Jesus. He doesn't reflect God, He is God. This is who we believe in. And then. He sustains all things by his powerful word. And that's going to be key to the rest of my message. But think of it in Colossians chapter 1 and his creation and his powerful word. Our life depends on him. Our very existence is by his word. He sustains all things. And then he provided purification for sins. We know that. That's essential to the gospel and it's essential to the whole unraveling of the book of Hebrews. Through his death on the cross, the heart of the good news, the main theme of this book and actually of the Bible is the finished work of Jesus Christ. This is why he came at Christmas. And then he sits at the right hand of God. What's that have to do with us? Where is Jesus now while we cope with those headlines and with those personal tragedies and triumphs that we go through in life? What is his current status? He hasn't run away to leave us. There's more going on in God's universe than what you read in the newspaper or watch on the TV. Jesus is there. I know we could go on, and we will, But we mustn't be fooled, folks, by the shallow, anemic Jesus sometimes on TV specials and even in some university courses paraded out there by skeptics and pseudo-intellectuals as kind of a half-baked, edited Jesus. It's not Hebrews. Don't buy also the cheap, pragmatic billboard Jesus of too many popular spiritual hucksters. Kind of a convenient something to tag on to their agenda. 
This portrait is the only Jesus that heals the world's hurts and offers hope for the future. This Jesus. I think we get this, but we just need to let it sink in and commit our hours, our days, our years to a deeper walk with him. It's okay if we're entertained by magical fantasies that span ages and galaxies. They mirror the great struggles of good and evil and all the longings and issues embedded in our humanity. But folks, in Hebrew's lingo, how much superior is Jesus? We've got the greatest true story ever told that covers all time and eternity, all corners of the universe, and speaks to the deepest needs of our souls. And it's about love and a hero of heroes, the name above all names. It's Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the King of the universe. More power to our children and our youth ministries who tell the story of Jesus over and over Don't tire of it. It mustn't become old. It mustn't become ho-hum. It must become more of what matters to us. So right away in verse 4, which isn't part of our main text, but the preacher of Hebrews proceeds to build on Jesus' superiority, and that's the theme of the book. Throughout the letter, he's superior to angels. He's superior to Moses. He's superior to the prophets, to the priests, to everything. Give me Jesus. Don't settle for less. Now, going back to that verse 3 where it says, being sustained by his powerful words. Jesus is the word. And I don't want to get too theologically, you know, upside down here. But So, the word made flesh is Jesus is the word. Everything he does, everything he embodies in the Gospels, everything he even does today in your life outside of scriptures, but he's doing it in your life. Yes, that's the word. But Jesus' words matter too. And that's where I want to go as we finish up. One Hebrews scholar says that the familiar passage in chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse 12, applies to the literal words of Jesus as well as to the scripture as a whole. Verse 12, chapter 4, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Wow. Those words of Jesus. As we heard in Psalm 19, read earlier in this service, you probably wondered, what was that read for? Just look at those words describing the Old Testament scriptures, the law, the decrees of God. The law of the Lord refreshes, it rewards, it gives wisdom, gives light, it gives joy. And to use Hebrews again, how much more the words of Jesus can offer this medicine to our souls. So come with me for a few minutes more to explore some of the healing, truthful, life-giving words of Jesus. The Gospels say that the people hung on his words. I don't know what that means. (laughs) We need to hang on his words. But we can only sample a fraction. I had done a study and I had all kinds of references of 
where it says the words of Jesus, the words of Jesus. And I had a sermon at least three, three more hours long. But I don't think you want that. But his words are the very words of God. Jesus said, whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. John 12. The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. John chapter 14. And they are the words of life that we need. We need to feel the reality of Jesus' words. And a little journey I want to take you in a couple chapters in John. One sample is John chapter 4. Jesus has a surprising talk with that Samaritan woman. And I show this to you just so you begin to feel the passion, the reality of Jesus' words. Let's see if that'll work for us. A Samaritan woman came to draw some water. Give me a drink of water. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. So how can you ask me for a drink? Jews will not use the same cups and bowls that Samaritans use. If you only knew what God gives, and who it is that is asking you for a drink, you would ask him. And he would give you a life-giving water. Sir, you don't have a bucket and the well is deep. Where would you get that life-giving water? It was our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well. He and his children and his flocks all drank from it. You don't claim to be greater than Jacob, do you? Those who drink this water will get thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring which will provide them with life-giving water and give them eternal life. Sir, give me that water. Then I will never be thirsty again. Nor will I have to come here to draw water. Go and call your husband and come back. I don't have a husband. You are right when you say you don't have a husband. You've been married to five men and the man you live with now is not really your husband. You have told me the truth. You are a prophet, sir. My Samaritan ancestors worshipped God on this mountain. But you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place where we should worship God. Believe me, woman. The time will come when people will not worship the Father either on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans do not really know whom you worship. But we Jews know whom we worship because it is from the Jews that salvation comes. But the time is coming. And is already here. When by the power of God's spirit. People will worship the father as he really is. Offering him the true worship that he wants. God is spirit. And only by the power of his spirit. Can people worship him as he really is. I know that the Messiah will come. And when he comes. He will tell us everything. I am he. I who am talking with you. At that moment, Jesus' disciples returned, and they were greatly surprised to find him talking with a woman. But none of them said to her, What do you want? or asked him, 
Why are you talking with her? Just the look in the eyes. I know it's an actor, but the words of truth and grace at the same time, penetrating and captivating that woman. Have his words captivated you? She returned from the village with all the folks, and, and uh, Jesus continued talking. And it says in John chapter 4 that um, because of his words, many more believed. I hope, I hope we're all believers here today. I hope we're all believers. And then again in John chapter 6, we won't show video because you all fall asleep during those things. But uh, after the feeding of the 5,000, remember Jesus said as some of them were wandering away, whoever hears my words and believes in them, is this probably this thing? You can turn it off. I'm right here. Um, is it still here? Okay, here we go. Whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. And so others were wandering away. It was, there were some things that Jesus said that were just too hard for them. And Jesus turns to his disciples and asks, You don't want to leave me too, do you? And they said, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. Do you feel that importance in the faith you've put into Jesus, in Jesus? I've told this story before in this pulpit, so maybe it's the only story I have. But it's the story of my Jewish grandmother who tried as a young woman to find peace and comfort for her soul. She later called it the search for the pearl of great price, like the organ piece, Jesus' priceless treasure. And so she tried everything. Her reform confirmation left her empty. Various philosophies left her empty. She even read and tried Shintoism, Buddhism, communism, Nietzsche of all things. All left her void of peace and comfort and hope. And then, while an art student in Philadelphia, she started at the request of somebody else to read the New Testament, starting with Matthew. And she only got as far as Matthew 11. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and I am, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I wouldn't be here today if those words of Jesus hadn't captured her and changed her and filled her with the presence of Jesus. And there are searchers today all over this world finding Jesus. I was asking our Muslim, uh, Christian and Muslim scholars here from LTC, Lilius Trotter Center, and Don's going to be sharing some of those stories perhaps in February at our missions conference. No, they're not necessarily all seeing the words of Jesus in Scripture, but he's appearing to them. And he's saying, come to me. My daughter has many friends serving, or some in the Middle East. And I just saw emails this week telling stories of people whom Jesus appeared and wrapped his arms, not physically, but almost literally around them, and they found Jesus. His words brought peace. For searchers today, Jesus won't disappoint and doesn't disappoint. And, of course, you know, his words last forever. So they're still good today. They don't wear out. 
Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now, I challenge you to go on and do that study with your little concordance about the words of Jesus. You'll find all kinds of things. They're powerful words. They bring answers to prayer. Remain in me. My words remain in you. You will ask what you want. Now, it's not a carte blanche credit card, but it's know Jesus, and he'll hear your prayers. They're authoritative words. People were amazed at what he said. What is this teaching? He teaches with such power and authority. They're such vital words to our life. And they, of course, are comforting words. Peace I give you, not as the world gives, gives I unto you. And we could go on through it. But the question today is real simple. What should we do with Jesus' word? Or with the word himself? And so then back to the book of Hebrews. Just a run-through. Chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. Oh, it's going to take a couple hours. Chapter 4, chapter 6, chapter 12. Let me just read this. Pay more careful attention to him. Chapter 2. Fix your thoughts on him. Chapter 3. Hold firm to him with confidence. Chapter 3. Hold firmly to the faith that you profess. Chapter 4. I love chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, because we're going to sing about it in a minute. We must and can approach the throne of grace with confidence. So our devotion, our walk, our prayer life, build on it. And then we must put behind the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Yes, next year should be better than this year in your walk with Christ. Go on to maturity. Make this a year of daily study, faithfully the words of Jesus. I was talking to Debbie, and I can't promise it. I never keep New Year's resolutions, so don't hold me to this. But I'd love to do devotions with her just through the words of Jesus this year. Ask me later. But wouldn't that be something? Husbands and wives, study the words of Jesus together. Pastor's going to be doing a series in a few weeks here, the next few weeks, on some of the questions Jesus has asked. Perk up! He may be asking you some questions. And then verse chapter 12, We must throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. If you have to paint a picture of... A poster of the words Jesus in front of your computer, in front of your whatever it is that tempts you. And then the most beautiful verse, chapter 12. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God, the throne of God. That's our Jesus. So, folks, in our living, our working, our giving, our serving, in our creativity, in our homes, in, at school, in our music, in our play, in our adventures, in our loves, in our trials, in the hard things, in all things. Let us lift up Jesus. Let us glorify Jesus. Let us set our eyes on Jesus. 
He's the hope of the world. He's worth singing about. He's worth shouting about. Give me Jesus. Amen. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If there's anything we want more than anything for this year ahead, it's to be closer to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.